Sports Radio 929 The Game, 929 thegamecom It's Sam and Greg. A little loud for you. That woke you up there on the Saturday morning. <laughs> Sports Radio 929 The Game. Uh, Mr. Crenshaw is um, taking a well-deserved little nap this morning. Eric Slaughter is in on the heels of the inaugural high school scoreboard show he did last night. We've been pre- presenting you different uh, little segments of that show. We're going to replay one at the top of the 9 o'clock hour, but uh, Eric is filling in and doing a great job this morning. Threw that one on for you because uh, we were talking earlier about the Rolling Stones. This was the day that Satisfaction was released um, in the minds of many, the greatest rock band of all time. But there's a lot of people who think that the guy who you just heard in his band is the greatest. That was Led Zeppelin's Immigrant Song. I'm Star 94. Um, but also, are you there, Eric? I am here. Okay, you just, you you just no, no, I mean, make some noise or something. Let me know. It's all this dead silence. You can't, you can't have that. But the uh, Zeppelin, I had him play that is because happy 74th birthday. 74 to their lead singer, Robert Plant. 1948 would have been his birth year. Robert Plant, wow. Yeah, 74 today. And a band who, in the minds of a lot of people too, stole most of their stuff from a lot of the American blues artists, which a lot of the guys who were part of the British invasion did because that's what they grew up listening to because that's what they got over there in England. Gotcha. Now, now help me understand something because I don't know a lot about Led Zeppelin, but help me, didn't they like name their albums like after numbers? One, One through four. four. What was the uh, concept behind that? I don't. I never heard a reason why it was just probably easier. <laughs> you know, I. I what, all, we call, all, what we gonna call this album? Of, Three. Of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that and, and and Zeppelin Four is considered the best. But again, I ain't gonna. I'm not even gonna get into a conversation with hardcore Zeppelin fans about that because I know them because I've spent a lot of my broadcasting career in rock music and I know these things and these stories. But I'm not about to say because music is subjective, right? It, it's it's in like food. It de- it depends on who you are and what you like are. And and some people will will eat through tree bark to go get a steak, and some will do the same thing to get a pizza. So it just depends on what you love. But Led Zeppelin and and how they got to and the stories connected with it, uh, with them. It, listen, it's it's part of rock and roll lore. So. You can say how they got there. You can you can criticize how they made the sausage, but you can say that a lot of, about a lot of artists, a lot of artists. Hey, you know we were talking earlier about that Elvis movie this, that came out with Tom Hanks, and word is that Tom this is what this is Tom Hanks's worst performance. It was the fat suit. He can't act like he you know he can't do his good stuff when he's walking around carrying that extra. 40, 50 pounds, whatever. Well, excuse me. Do you think Tom Hanks is any less of an actor than Robert De Niro? And De Niro did it a couple times. Tom Hanks. I, I think in it a was. fat suit? Yeah, man. Well, no, he gained, the, he gained the weight. For what role? You never saw. Oh, God. Here we go again. Okay. His, one of his most famous movies, along with Godfather, is Raging Bull. Oh, when he played Jake LaMotta. Now, I know, okay. Okay, yeah. so he gained 65-some pounds for that. To play the older version. Yeah. Okay, okay. And then lost it. Yeah, well, I mean, because he had six-pack abs during the scenes where he was, well, he was in the Obviously, boxing. obviously. Yeah. Okay, all right. But he I put on you. a bunch of weight. Yeah. The acting is the acting. There was There's a famous story that Jack Nick, uh, attributed to Jack Nicholson when he did Batman, um, and the first time Michael Keaton, had, they were both sitting in the makeup chairs and, and and Michael Keaton's getting, you know, made up for whatever scene it was. But obviously Jack Nicholson, every scene he was, you know, the different Joker looks he had. And he 
leaned over at one point and said to Michael Keaton, just work the costume. You know, you know your lines, you know the character, but you got to work the costume and embrace it. And that was just one of those things Michael Keaton says stuck with him. Exactly, man. <laughs> and, and, and think about, does he still, does he carry that, that character the way he does if he weren't in those outlandish purple outfits that he wore throughout the movie, meaning Jack Nicholson? Probably not, but Jack being the phenomenal. That's what I'm great. saying. That's what I'm saying about what you're saying about Tom Hanks. The outfit ain't got to do with it. Well, I was giving him, I was trying to give him an out. I was trying to give him, I was trying to throw <laughs> the man pre- a bone. He appreciate that. He really would <laughs> on this uh, 20th day of August because Lord knows he needs it. Anyway, happy birthday to Robert Plant. That's how we got here. Um, Sam and Greg, Sports Radio 929 The Game, 929TheGame.com. Of course, you're hearing Eric Slaughter. We talked about, uh, Finishing up the last segment about the the bag man, as Sam likes to call him, the bag man that used to be prevalent in in college, but the uh, this bag man couldn't have dumped the amount of money that landed on the Big Ten this past week, Ooh. seven billion dollars, and part of that that big package was a couple TV networks. Yeah, the, uh, uh, three of the biggest TV networks, the 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 the, the CBS. CBS, ABC, ABC, no, NBC and Fox. And And my question is initially when I heard that, forget about the money, because I think a lot of us are sort of numb to numbers now. I can remember when I was a kid, and and most of us too, when you you watch the TV, it would be something that that perked your antenna up when you heard somebody called a billionaire. You know, Ross Perot was one of those. Ted Turner was one of those, but you didn't hear many. Right. Okay. There were just there were few yeah. and far between. Mm-hmm. Now it's like think, think, you're surprised. You're surprised that they're mentioning when they come across a millionaire. Think about the, the, <laughs> the, the, the number of billion is so rare. Calculators didn't even have the amount of zeros. Most calculators don't have yeah. enough room in their number to put a billion as a number that you can calculate. So think about it. If a billionaire was so much more common, calculators would have had the the capability of doing that. I think I guarantee you that's one of the reasons why the calculator doesn't have enough space to do it because it's a number that you very rarely were thought of back then. You know, just- it was it was and 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 by extension, now we're talking about when we talk about places like Amazon, we're talking trillions. That was just one of those. Yeah, I mean, that was a word that they I used to hear on cartoons as something that was just so unbelievable that would never happen or nothing that we would ever see. Now it's just, you know, it's it's the norm. The only time I used to think about the word trillion, I think when they used to talk about the national debt. No. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the Big Ten gets this this windfall that's going to start really in in a couple of years and and really in a few years. But my question is, the first thing that you thought of. When, when you saw this contract, was it the money? Or for me, it was like, okay, where are we going to watch as, uh, SEC games No, it was, after next year? Right. Uh, no, I didn't think about that. What I thought of was the, the next school that's trying to go and get on that bandwagon. Because think about it. They said, you know, when you divide that money up between the 15 or 16 or 80 to 100 or, million. Oh, annually. Yeah. Not one time. Yeah. Annually. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine – that check coming every year to that school and what they're going to do with that money. My, um, my, my, my brother from another mother, Kevin Warren, uh, these new deals will continually provide stability for our athletic departments to service our students in a highly productive manner, allowing them to get a world-class education, but to be treated in a manner that they rightfully deserve. Okay, 
I get that. Here's the thing that stood out to me, though. This will help our student athletes in their continued pursuit of name, image, and likeness opportunities. Because now you're going to be on TV from morning to night on Saturday with three massive organizations, which right there is the recruiting tool for those teams to get top flight players. Because you know these guys, these dudes all want to get paid, right, in the best way they can. And yeah, you can still come down here to the SEC or wherever, and you will have a chance to make some money NIL-wise. But it's going to be a whole lot easier now to have money thrown at you because you're going to be on TV because of this deal. Yep, and the only difference is going to be is the coach is going to say, well, do you want to be on TV and make NIL money or do you want to win a national championship? Because the national championship is probably still going to come out of those 10, 14, 15 teams that call themselves Southern teams. Let me ask you a question. Okay, while that's in play, and, and the contracts that are that are going to start happening after the 23 season. My question is this. Don't you got to fix the house first? Meaning, what do you, Eric Slaughter, and, and the conversations that you've had with people, feel like college football is going to look like in 2026? And I say 2026 is because 25 is when this contract, this current contract with this current playoff system ends. Correct? I believe so, yes. So, so what does college football do as far as their next pivot? We got all these teams jumping conferences, you know, traditions out the door, rivalries, location, all of that stuff. We're talking basketball because they're gonna, I think they're going to keep Duke, North Carolina for forever. But speaking of the ACC, they have a play in what happens with the wild card, which I'll get back to in a second. But for me, I heard a scenario, and I'm curious of what yours is, as to what college football should do as far as making these four power conferences, if you will. Thinking that, okay, Big Ten, they got their 16 teams. SEC, boom, they got their 16 teams. You are not going to have a couple years pass where you're not going to have a game against one of the other teams in the conference, correct? So we have those two in place. But what should happen with everybody else? Because given what we've heard and what we know already, they kind of become you know, irrelevant, right? In I a mean, way? They're fighting, they're fighting for their attention. I'm not going to say they're irrelevant because the, there are other schools that in those other conferences that do make noise from time to time. Yes, right now the – the SEC and the Big Ten are dominating all the headlines, but there are enough schools left out there that say, look, you know, we still have a say at this table. Our vote still counts, and believe it or not, we are going to make sure that our vote is heard. But they got catching up to do for sure. They're going to have to do it and figure out what their game plan is. Sam and Greg, Sports Radio, 929 game 929thegame.com. It's uh, Eric Slaughter, infamous Crenshaw. We're sitting there talking about this money that fell onto the Big Ten. But more importantly, what college football will look like um, at the end of this current contract. I heard a scenario that I actually subscribe to. I don't know how it's going to work. I know how it's going to work, but if this plays out, it makes sense to me. And then we get to the wild card. So you got your 16 teams in SEC and Big Ten, Correct. Somehow the ACC, I think the ACC sitting there with, what, 12 or 14 teams they right now? Have at least they got more than 12 because, remember, Louisville, Syracuse, okay. Boston College. So somehow they, they get a couple more teams and they get to 16. What I'm going for, and you can call it whatever you want, and the same thing with what's left of the Big 12 and the Pac-12, mm-hmm. and they merge together and come up with six. In other words, what you're going for is four 16-team conferences. Okay. 
64 teams, right? Yep. Getting familiar with it, right? Yep. You can decide how many teams from each conference come to a playoff that you will set up, and that playoff will determine the national champion. If you get to that, four by 16 is four from each. The top four from each, you have a 16-team okay. playoff. Here's where it gets fun. This is where you have a conversation with them boys in South Bend, and you say, all right, this is the situation. These, this is how we are going to structure college football to determine our national champion. If you want to be in, you got to come join a conference. I know that you got half of your school, you know, half of your foot's in with the ACC because they got your basketball and all that. But football, if you want to get a national championship, you got to be a part of this. If you just want to grab money from your TV sponsor, then God bless you. And that's where the decision is going to have to be made by Notre Dame to say, okay, NBC, you're going to pay me enough to stay out of a conference? Or does Notre Dame say, "Uh uh-uh, we can get all the money in the world, but if we don't have national championships because we're Notre Dame, that says something about us. I think that's a decision that's that's going to have to be made at some point and not too far down the road. I think NBC has made Notre Dame's decision a little easier because now that they are a part of this Big Ten deal, and think about it, you know, people think that that Notre Dame NBC deal is much bigger than it is. It's nowhere near what these these t- these schools from the Big Ten are now going to get. They're going to quadruple, maybe even quintuple the money that Notre Dame is getting from NBC. So, so, I think so you're just, saying they pack up their tent in the ACC and move everything over to the Big Ten? And my question is this: Who would you rather play if you're going for a national championship in your Notre Dame, North Carolina, nor, uh, Georgia Tech, uh, Virginia Tech, all those teams in the ACC, or Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, <laughs> you know, uh, UCLA, USC? You see what I'm saying? What would be an easier path for them to get to the playoffs to get that chip that they're going to be looking for? The easier path would be the ACC, but the tradition is still would be in the Big Ten. The Michigan, the Michigan yeah. State, the USC, if that deal goes through, and, and schools like that, that's they still want to hold their tradition. Tradition in college football still goes a long way. Yeah, I, yeah. well, they're showing it really doesn't, but we'll get, we're not done with this topic. We're going to come back. Cole Thompson from SI Nation is going to join us next. Talk a little Falcons and NFL. It's Sam and Greg, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9 thegamecom Take us with you on the Odyssey app. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com. It's Sam and Greg with Eric Slaughter taking us back to the halftime show last year's Super Bowl. I've seen that a couple times. That's, that's just That was just a good show. The expanse of putting something like that on. It was an awesome show, and uh, yeah, I've, I've watched it several times. I still have it. On my DVR the whole game. Yeah, <laughs> man. All right, well, apparently I got so excited about getting into this uh, this Big Ten conversation, I forgot to do something at the top of the hour, and I say to you, good morning, Georgia! Good morning! And uh, good morning to you folks in McDonough. Oh, Southside, Henry County. Uh, yeah. Ola is down by there, and they had a big win to start their high school football season. So good congratulations to them as they uh, started well. And I'll tell you, just what you said, every town, every town. You know, Chris uh, Parker said a great thing. You know, it's just like football. Everybody's undefeated to start the year, and half the teams will be undefeated, and the other half will have that unfortunate first loss. Chris Parker, of course, Sam Crenshaw's partner for the High School Scoreboard Show. 
had its inaugural uh, show last night, had a great school day segment where they spoke to Jamal Lewis. We're going to replay that interview for you coming up at the 9 o'clock hour if you didn't hear it. This is one of the signature segments of that show. Couldn't be prouder of you, Eric, because you're one of the correspondents for that show, and everybody. But mostly, listen, I'm a little biased. My partner, been been the preeminent voice for high school football in this state for a while, and I'm glad he's got this show. But we got a guest sitting here that actually I would like to, uh, before we get into the Falcons and what they're going on, want to get his quick thoughts on what we were just talking about and the bag of money that dropped on the Big Ten and maybe what he sees happening um, after 2025 when this current playoff contract ends. want to welcome in from SI Nation, Cole Thompson. I've never met you before, sir. I had you on the show. So for the first time, we want to welcome you and good morning and thank you for being a part of Sam and Greg on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks so much for having me. My absolute pleasure. Eric and I were talking about the news from last week. We understand that you also, along with the NFL, cover college football. And just your thoughts on, um, well, let's start off with you. I see you you know, do some stuff for the Aggies and, and some other things and SEC. I don't know if this is where you mainly and, focus on. And, Greg, he, he's a proud alum of Roll Tide. All right. Well, then there you go. So how does this contract Effect. This will be the question, and we'll get to the Falcons. How does what just happened with the Big Ten and them securing Fox, NBC, uh, CBS, obviously not really starting till next year, how does that affect how people are going to watch the, uh, the SEC moving forward? Well, to be fair, it's not going to affect them that much because the deal's already signed with ESPN. So the deal's already been locked and loaded for the seven years, $330 million. So we know where the SEC is going. But what you could see is, uh, especially this changes for the college football playoff. So the thing that you really like about with this, if you're a Big Ten fan, is they are going to be the subject of conversation throughout the day. They'll start off on Fox with big noon kickoff. You'll have the marquee afternoon game on CBS around 3.30. And then you'll have the night game on at NBC, very similar to what we're seeing right now with the NFL model. And that's one thing of why the NFL has been able to rule Sundays Nonstop. They play on three different networks. The other thing that I really like about this deal is the Big Ten Championship is going to rotate through all three networks. So right. one year yeah. it'll be on NBC, one year it'll be on CBS, one year it'll be on Fox. So it's very similar to having the Super Bowl or having an actual NFL playoffs. So while I'm not personally a fan of the way that the college football is going toward more of a professional model, this is one of those few times where we know that NFL games rule Sunday afternoons because of the markets that they're on, because of the revenue that comes in. We know that there are marquee games that are played on certain channels. You know, you always see the Dallas Cowboys played outside of a blue moon on Fox. You always see the New England Patriots played outside of a blue moon on CBS. So you always have these kind of marquee games that people are going to be highlighting. This is going to also change the way that we look at the college football playoff. Because the CFP comes to its current end in 2025-2026. So that season will be the very last year, and then they'll be up for negotiation once more. I would not be shocked to see other markets try to get involved, want to get in a bidding war, and have this be a rotating carousel for games in the CFP. This also, I think, could help out with college football playoff expansion because they would want more games. And ultimately, at the end of the day, money talks. And there's going to be a lot of people now saying, this is the asking price of what we're looking for to go play for your network. You know, Notre Dame is up for a deal. The Pac-12 is up for a deal in two years. You have the Big, Ten, uh, the Big 12 up for a deal in three years. 
So a lot of things are going to change with how teams, markets, and conferences go into negotiations, especially when it comes to average per year revenue. I mean, we're, we're looking at 16 teams right now on the regular bringing in over $100 million. Yeah, and listen, Eric, um, Cole, again, Cole Thompson from SI Nation joining Sam and Greg here, Sports Radio 929 The Game, 929The Eric, I'm sorry, I got to piggyback on something that Cole just Go said. Go ahead. I mean, he's giving some great information. He is. He's, he's doing great here. And to the point, so I was right, 2025 is when this current contract ends. My thing is this as we watch the, the changing landscape of college football, don't you think we're headed toward, and this is a scenario that I heard, and of all the ones I've heard, this makes sense to me, um, and that is forming four 16-team conferences. We got that already in the SEC. We got that in the Big Ten. ACC is a few teams away. You can combine the Big 12 and, and the Pac-12 and, and call it whatever you want and have them have 16 teams. You take four teams from each one of those conferences, and that's where the playoff is. But for what you said when you talked about renegotiating con- TV contracts, my thing is this. If that were the scenario and those four conferences had those 16 teams – that leaves, unless they make a decision, Notre Dame out. Because Notre Dame could go to NBC and say, all right, listen, we see all this money you're throwing around. Give us enough money to stay out of a conference, and we won't join one. Or does Notre Dame look in the mirror and say, okay, these guys are going to move on without us, and they're going to exclude us from getting a national championship if we don't join one of those conferences? You know, it's interesting because Notre Dame only wants $75 million per year in average revenue to be able to stay in independent. That was the deal that they're trying to get in place right now with NBC. And according to multiple people that I've spoken to close to the Fighting Irish situation, if they get anything near that deal by any, uh, any marketing place, so any, any network, CBS, Fox, ESPN, they will take that deal and remain independent. The reality is, is that right now Notre Dame believes that they are above the rest because – They kind of are, especially when you look at how they've been able to thrive as an independent. They're one of the only few media markets that when we talk about them, we're not talking about them as just a football team. We're talking about them as a media contribution. They used to own NBC. Now they have to fight for NBC reps. They have their own television rights. Now they don't. So you look at all those other things, that could potentially change. But at the same time, people understand what Notre Dame can bring in in average revenue. People understand what Notre Dame can bring to the table. Plus, with the historic background of Notre Dame, it's very hard to say that if they were one of maybe two teams that we view as an actual national championship contender in the independent, that they would keep them out. But if there is a ruling or there is a new ploy to where they say, listen, the only way to make the college football playoff is if we have these major four conferences of 16 teams – they currently are locked into the deal with the ACC. A lot of people I know want them to go to the Big Ten, but they're locked in with the TV deal on every other single sport besides football until 2036. Uh, they would have to have a significant buyout to move to the Big Ten, and the Big Ten would have to probably be willing to pay part of that buyout to bring them in. Uh, ultimately, if the Big Ten were to go get them, from what I'm hearing, it would have to be a two-way street. So they would also be adding in a team like Stanford. Stanford feels like the number one pick to go along with Notre Dame because of their historic background of how they played each other for the last 35-plus years. But, again, these are all moves that Kevin Warren is looking into. Nothing seems imminent right now. In fact, according to most people that I've spoken to on the Iris side, uh, Isle Flight Director Jack Schwarbeck is doing everything in his power to get a long-term deal locked in place 
with NBC before the start of the 2023 season. Yeah, well, if anyway, if that scenario plays out, Cole, I see them staying in the ACC, not moving over, because their path to a playoff through the ACC teams is a whole lot easier than it would be for those Big Ten teams. Well, let's get back uh, to the NFL for a minute again. Cole Thompson from SI Nation joining Sam and Greg here with Eric Slaughter this morning, Sports Radio 929 The Game, 929thegame.com. All right, from your perspective, what are you seeing right now or thinking that this Falcons team could be given – you know, the, the small sample size from what you got out of Detroit to get ready for their game against the Jets, but also looking at this division uh, and what they're going to be going up against. Your thoughts on this Atlanta Falcons team? It's a good thing that Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith admitted that it was time for a rebuild because that's kind of where this team is going, and it's a positive. I mean, I think a lot of people always say when you look at the negatives or hear the term rebuild, it means that we're going to stink. Well, at times, you have to be bad to be able to get good. I think that there's one thing that's very frustrating that you've seen from a lot of Falcons fans, especially if you check Twitter, depending on the time of the day. Uh, they're tired of seeing 6-10, and 7-9, and 7-10, seasons. They want to either be a full-on contender or a full-on pretender. And you look at the offensive line, there's certainly some holes there. You look at the limited run game, there's holes there. You look at the receiving court, there's holes there. The quarterback position surprisingly, is actually not that bad. You have the likes of Arthur Smith and how he's worked with Marcus Mariota in the past. That, I think, gives them another element to the passing attack. But I also really liked what I saw from Desmond Ritter in the short situation. I think he made one of the more impressive throws of the preseason among rookie quarterbacks. And I do think that he does have some value to the team. Defensively, you know, you know that you're one of the weakest pass rushes in the NFL last season. You finished bottom. You know, you guys dead last in sacks and in pressures that just doesn't get fixed overnight even if you draft guys like Arnold Abiketti and D'Angelo Malone I think the secondary has some potential especially with Casey Hayward walking opposite of what you have with HHRL uh, maybe if you have a really good sp- uh, summer and I mean a really good start from Richie Grant there's a lot of potential on the back end there but Again, it's a good thing that Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot are willing to rebuild. It'll be a long season, but what it'll do is it'll help set up the foundational pieces. It'll help figure out who is here for the long run, what areas do I need to address in the draft and free agency. And at the same time, they're admitting that this is a time for us to take a step back, for us to take a positive step forward. We're done being this mediocre franchise. We want to be a consistent role player and again, in the NFC South, anything's possible. I mean, if, if Matt, I mean, if, if Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter can have an absolute fire show, if Brian Edwards can step up as a number two, if you get consistent play from Drake London and Kyle Pitts, seven wins is very plausible. Eight wins is very plausible. I mean, I'm not sure to trust Carolina completely until I see it on the field. I wouldn't trust Jameis Winston completely. And you never know when Tom Brady's going to be back. I mean, it, it could yep. be enough for you to maybe sneak a win in over there. You know, I, I personally think he'll be back week one, but it, it truly never knows. So seven wins is plausible. I see this more as about a four or five win team, but it's never say never on any aspect. I tell you, man, I tell you, Greg, Cole Thompson, he's just giving us the knowledge just here this yeah, morning yes. on 929 The Game, and we want to thank him. You also can hear him on his podcast, Just Saying It. I love the name of that, Just Saying It, and we appreciate you taking the time, Cole. I mean, you've answered so many questions that I would have already asked you what you think the record would be, what's the ceiling, what's the floor. You said seven, eight wins could be the ceiling, three or four could be the floor. So let's say they are more towards that floor. Do they go into the 2023 draft saying that, you know what, I like what I've seen, we can go defense first, or 
Will they have to think about what the quarterback has done? What do you Purdue? Get onto your crystal ball 2023 draft. What do you see the Falcons doing next year? I think it really is based on Desmond Ritter. As much as I think Marcus Mariota is a viable option, what you're doing is you're looking to see what Ritter can be. And this is a guy that said he modeled his game after Marcus Mariota and modeled his game after Ryan Tannehill during the pre-draft process. So Arthur Smith really should be able to get the best play out of a guy like Ritter. And if he can't, this is a quarterback league. I, I, I can't stress that enough. As much as I love seeing defensive players, I think as a defensive side of the football, especially the defensive line with guys like Jalen Carter, guys like Nolan Smith, guys like B.J. Ocelari, and then Will Anderson, we haven't even gotten to his name yet, they are so valuable to a team's success. They all are worthy of being, I think, a top-ten selection. But this is a quarterback-driven league, and if you're picking somewhere in the top three where you have an opportunity to bring in a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud, and more specifically, if a team like the Houston Texans or the Chicago Bears go in a completely different direction to allow you to have that option to draft either a Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, you have to consider it, especially if you're not getting good play out of Desmond Ritter. You know, I've seen this before where a quarterback who comes on strong late in the season, they get an extra push, and they're told, you have one full year to figure it out. I could see that happening. Again, you look at the draft class in 2024 with the quarterback like Caleb Williams from USC or maybe Quinn Ewers from Texas. There's a few other names who are going to be in the mix as well. I, I think at that point, you could always say, we'll try it with Ritter. We know we're nowhere near ready to contend for a playoff spot yet. So what we'll do is we'll add as many defensive pieces as possible to fix that side of the ball. And then we'll go address the quarterback. I can absolutely see that happening. But at the same time, you have to see some value in a guy like Desmond Ritter. It doesn't really matter with Mariota. We know that he is a good bridge option. He is here for two years to be able to navigate that bridge between the Matt Ryan era and the next era. The thing is, is that if Ritter isn't the guy, you have to be able to get that guy in there for him to learn on the Mariota, the cadences, the ins, the outs, the do's, the don'ts of an Arthur Smith-led offense. That way, when it is coming up for free agency, if you want to keep him around, you can. If not, or the guy that is probably going to be your long-term starter is already in the building. So a lot of ways to go. I personally think it all matters on Desmond Ritter's progress, not Marcus Mariota. All right, listen, on your way up, be sure to get one of those magnetic key cards, but you're coming back in the building. We're going to have him back here. We like it. We like it. We like it. We're going to have Cole back here. He's a a Falcons contributor. The guy is a proud Aggie. He knows everything. He is an Aggie, right? No, he's a proud Bama. He's a roll tie. Oh, I'm sorry. I messed this up here. I'm sorry. He's he's a proud. You know what we say about you folks from Alabama here, you know, in Georgia, Atlanta, because y'all spend so much time. you from Texas. Pardon? He's from Texas, too. Oh, he's a Texas. And he's from Texas. Texas. I, I just went to college there. They, they, yeah, they, but they gave me the most money. Yeah, okay. That's fine. But y'all <laughs> come here. Reason. Alabama fans come here and fix our potholes. That's the money we use, you know, when you come here and spend it for all them championship games and conference games and all that stuff you win. But Cole Thompson, again, SI Nation, we can't thank you enough. And if you don't mind, we'd like to reach out to you again and have you back on the show. How's that sound? Anytime. Just make sure you also claim Auburn as West Georgia finally. Well, I'll let Sam do Oh, West Georgia. Well, anything West Georgia, Sam's all about that. we got to introduce this dude to Mr. Crenshaw. <laughs> Cole, have a good rest of your day. Thank you again for getting up and uh, being part of the show. Coming up top of the hour, I want to remind you, a segment from Mr. Crenshaw's High School Scoreboard Show. The inaugural show was last night. One of the top segments, a part of that show, is called School Days. They interview a big-name athlete who spent his high school days here in Georgia last night was Jamal Lewis, the first one. If you didn't hear that interview, that is coming up top of the hour. But up next, I'm going to let you know where you can find some money. 
in the film and television industry. Up next, we're going to do a casting call. Sam and Greg, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com. Take us with you on the Odyssey app. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com. Sam and Greg, Eric Slaughter in for Sam this morning. You are hearing, uh, I don't know if this was Song of the Year, but anyway, attached to the movie Shaft, Isaac Hayes, play that to you. Lost him in um, 08, Eric. Isaac's been gone, but it would have been his birthday today. Wow, I didn't realize he's been gone 14 years. Yeah, man, lost lost the chef (laughs) in, uh, in, in, in 08. And I can't tell you how many people were surprised when they realized that Isaac Hayes was a part of South Park. Uh, was he one of the voice actors, you mean? Come on now. Come, come, come on. You don't know nothing about Isaac Hayes in, in, in South Park? I can't he, say that I do. Dude, he was a chef. He was, a, he was one of the biggest characters there. And he left in some kind of controversy, but you, you associate, there's a whole generation. You know, we talk about, we have these shows where there are folks who didn't know that John Madden was actually a football coach. Or a commentator of a certain age. The same thing with, you know, say like Schwarzenegger. You know, they know him from acting, but didn't know nothing about him being governor. Isaac Hayes was on was on South Park, man. Okay. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I know Isaac Hayes was, uh, uh, you know, from the black exploitation movies. I'm going to get you, sucker. I remember he was hammer, slamming the hammer. And, yeah, and, and but can, yeah, that's, can, that's like his. Can I get one rib? Yeah, you, you have a problem to, to, as far as catching up on some stuff here. And ladies and gentlemen, we, we've been giving Eric the business because he's just some things have fallen through the crowd. He's a good man. He does a lot of great things. He does have a litany of, of, of other attributes that he makes us turn our heads and go, wow, we didn't know that. But there's some basic things that we feel, Sam and I, that slip through the cracks. And one of them are things like this, where they're part of, you know, a big part of of the conversation the of the day, but yet slipped past you like the Godfather and that, not seeing that movie. But I ain't mad at you. That's a, yeah. Isaac Hayes was was a part of South Park. So and back to Isaac Hayes. Not only did he win the Grammy, he also won the Academy Award. That's what I'm that saying. Song. If it was movie of the year, yeah. yeah. Well, it was movie of the year. Of the year. A, a best original song, right? Academy Award, best original, and the best Grammy, score. the Grammy okay. for best original score. Yeah. I absolutely wow. believe it. Wow. Absolutely. Sam and Greg, Sports Radio, 929thegame, 929thegame.com. I can't wait to tell you guys about what happened to me and the thing I booked this past week. But I can't talk about it now. But it was done in a way that I've never had it happen before. And I'm going to share this with Sam when he gets here. Sam will be with us again tomorrow. So I just want to let you know just today because of the high school foot, uh, scoreboard show. But of all the things, when we talk about casting call, which is what I'm doing for you right now, you guys go to 92.9thegame.com slash casting call. You're going to see a fresh list of job opportunities in front of the camera. You scroll down the list. You'll see where I walk you through how to find the jobs behind the camera, some contacts and voiceover work, a link to the Georgia Department of Labor where you can get that certificate for any minors that want to be in the movies. And, of course, the list of casting directors, the extras casting directors who I deal with, who you can later tonight, Monday, Wednesday afternoon. Don't wait till we're here every week. You can go and follow where they're posting job opportunities. So that list is there too. And also, I give you a generic version of how to submit yourself if you've never submitted yourself before. 
I, I wanted to ask you, Eric, what's one of the more unusual things that you can remember me asking for a need that one of the casting directors had? Well, I and I say unusual, yeah. not bad, because I'm going to give you one right now that I don't think I've ever asked for before. Well, I'm going to go right just back to last week when you asked for the contortionist. I mean, okay. How many people can, can say they can move their body and twist their body and flip their body and do things like that? So. I, I early on used to be a gymnast. Really? Yeah, that was one of the sports I, 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 I participated in. Okay. And, and I was my, my two um, best features were Florex and, um, believe it or not, Parallel bars. I was about to say you do double rings or whatever. It's no, called, I didn't. Uh, it's, no, it's just rings. Just rings. Okay, <laughs> um, but but parallel bars. I, you met a lot of people who were like that, who became then acrobats, acrobats, okay. and then by extension maybe contortionists. And by the way, that need for a different type of contortionist is on this week's casting call. So you'll see that there too. In fact, let me scroll down to it. I got to go to the bottom here because it's not the bottom, but it's down the list. Essential casting for uh, them. Covenant. They need contortionists. Photo double. So they're needing um, actually black men who are extremely flexible. Wow. So there you go. You make your own little comment up to that. What I was going to start with, and the reason I asked, speaking of black men, there is a need, Destination Casting, they're doing a new suspense dramedy, as they call it, dramedy. They need a black male who's a little person, five feet or under, but you they're asking for this person to look under 18 years old. So we have that all the time. We, we ask for people who are, you know, at least 18 but still look like high school students, say. Absolutely. So this is the case here. They're not saying high school students, but this character, black male, little person, five feet or under, got to be at least 18 years old. This person, as they say, knows more about you than you know about him. Larger than life personality. He has no filter. And secretly... He's a ghost that has been kept around by his grieving mother. So will the person who feels, will this be one of those? You this said, is a speaking role. There you go. Okay, that's what I was getting This for. is a speaking role. I don't normally mention speaking roles. You are going to be being paid a whole lot more than a general extra. So again, this is the first one you'll see. Destination casting, new suspense dramedy. This is a speaking role, looking for a black male, little person, five feet or under. So there you go. So that's one of them on there. Uh, Destination Casting is also doing another project where they just need a lot of you to just get into their database. Males and females, all shapes, sizes, and ethnicities for multiple roles. Scroll down a little bit more. Now, this is another specialty one. Uh, Chris Redding, who is one of the people I used to audition for a long time ago, and this is for principal acting, too. So Chris does both. She does extras, and she does principal casting. She reached out to me this past week and asked me, could I put this out there? There is a big insurance company that is starting a campaign, and they need real families. Now, here are the families, the choices they put there. One, a multi-generational Asian family must include grandparents, parents, and three kids, age ranges like middle school, elementary school, and a toddler. That's one. Number two, multi-ethnic husband and wife. That's as general as they put it, multi-ethnic husband and wife. Number three, multi-generational Native American family. Again, grandparents, parents, and, and kids, three kids. Four, Hispanic parents 
and kids. So parents somewhere between 30 to 45 years old, kids 8 to 15 years old. And finally, number five, Caucasian single parent, could be male or female, with biracial children or a child. These are very specific. Read through each one of them, but they're looking for real folks to be a part of this insurance company campaign, big insurance company that is starting. When I don't give a name, it's because I can't give a name. And, and the casting directors aren't supposed to give a name. They don't want you signing up just because it's this particular company or that particular company. It's being a part of the campaign, which means you'll probably be used for multiple spots. So that's always good. So Chris Redding Casting, you will see that there. Number of job opportunities. Casting all talent. They need twin babies. Um, extras casting Atlanta, my boy Patrick. He needs, now I talked about this a week or so, Confuse Sam. We were looking for people to be a part of a movie crew okay. that was filming a movie within the movie. Right, yeah, yeah. You remember okay. that? Yeah, the movie, yeah, I got you. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, this week they have a project called Family Affair. And they need the family they, they, there you go. You need to clear your throat. Uh, they need men and women to portray fans, staff, celebrities, and executive types at a movie premiere. Smells like a red carpet scene I can, to me. I can hold a camera and snap some pictures. Yeah, well, like you I'm might paparazzi, and you might be inside too. But again, this is a family affair. I need folks to be. All part of the people that you see at a movie premiere. Extras cast in Atlanta. Also need parents, people to play parents at a doctor's office for young kids. These jobs and more. And, of course, you mentioned the contortionist. Just a few of the jobs up on the uh, on the site. 92.9thegame.com slash casting call. You will see it there. Uh, you can see the list also right now on Twitter at GetCastWithGreg. And if you've got any questions about any of this stuff, greg.clarksonodyssey.com. You shoot me an email. Also, I will be on with, and i got to get, I, I, you know, Cannon and Ramona, because I talk about them all the time and my time on them. But when they introduce me when I go on their shows, they, they don't seem to hit the Sam and Greg on 92.9 The Game. But I'm, I'm working on them. Ramona always, Ramona always goes over and above to say, you know, ask me to make sure I say something to Sam. She loves her some Mr. Crenshaw, like most people. Yeah, you know, she wants to get close to the mayor. Yeah, the mayor. You know, you've been calling him that for a <laughs> while. And I know why you do it, but I, I, I can't help but wonder. This, I wish we could come up with something else because there's a dude who's, that was his nickname. Ooh. And I can't keep him out of my mind every time you say it. Oh, now his last name just escapes me. It was Sean, uh, played first base for the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, y'all know who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, the one who used to talk to everybody when they came to first base. And his nickname famous, was yeah. the mayor. His nickname was the mayor. And so I see him every time you call Sam that. So I, uh, it'll come to me in a second here. Talk for a second here. I got to get this. Eric. I was doing the same thing. Sean Sean Casey. Thank you. Yeah, I was looking okay. it up Sean too. Sean Casey. Yeah, then he said when he got to first base, he always chatted people up. Well, there's a lot but, of people. Freddie used but, to do that all the time too, but his know, nickname was the mayor. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I guess we come up with something to Sam, but the thing is, like I said, everybody knows him. Not just everybody knows him. Everybody loves Sam. When I tell people, oh, Sam, oh, man, that's my buddy. That's my guy. Tell Sam I say hello. You know, um, and, and like I said, when I was out there with him at the different events and he walked past, shake everybody's hand. Sam, how you doing? Good to see you. Welcome back. Yeah. I always, uh, when you say that, I'm reminded of, and of course you haven't seen the first one, so I'm damn sure you ain't seen the third one, but in Godfather 3, there's a scene where Michael, who's the back and forth of that movie is him trying to become legitimate and dealing with the Catholic Church, and one of the guys who ends up 
becoming the Pope uh, or, or going toward it was a friend of his. Anyway, he's at his funeral and he says, or no, it was Don Tomasino, the guy in the wheelchair. Well, again, you don't know the movie. But he asks as he stands over his coffin, why was he so beloved and Michael was so feared? And he always wanted to have, you know, to be loved. We know, we know people like that, famous people who want to be beloved and they try so hard that it becomes kind of annoying at certain points. You know, you either have that quality or you don't. Sam has it. No matter what he does, A-Rod will never have it. You see what I mean? <laughs> Not A-Rod. Okay. No, but he's always trying, though, ain't he? He's yeah. always trying to be him. embraced and loved and all that. Anyway, you guys go out there and grab this money. I'll be on with Cannon on Star 94 on Tuesday and on with Ramona talking this. Uh, Casting call on Wednesday. Excuse me. Monday with Cannon. Excuse me. On, on Star 94, Tuesday with Ramona on V103. Up next, if you were not with us earlier or you didn't get a chance to listen to the High School Scoreboard Show, their feature school days featured Jamal Lewis, the first one. We are going to replay that interview up next. Sam and Greg, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com.